All right, everybody, welcome to BO Boys for November 1st. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Pat, we've got a packed show as always, always packed, so tight. And yeah, it's I tight, think, but it's not it's not necessarily right. Not not right. You're right. It's tight but not right. But there is something going right at the box office. And I think you can tell because we're not gonna just plow through the top five. <gasps> we're gonna plow through the top ten. And I think this is a huge momentous occasion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't done this since I think before the pandemic. Oh yeah, this is plowing through a top 10 is a relic of the pre-pandemic BO boys for sure. We've been top five for for over a year now. But every film in the top 10 made over a million dollars. Yeah, so, so I mean that's it's big. It's, it's big, and I think Hollywood maybe didn't have the greatest weekend this weekend at the box office, but this is a little glimmer of hope for them when when everyone hears tonight that the B.O. Boys did a full top 10 plow. You're going to have a lot of studio execs who breathe a little easier. So let, let's, let's give them that relief right now. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do, I'm going to attempt. I'm feeling so confident and so high on this that I'm going to attempt the Jeff Box special, <gasps> the reverse plow from a 10 to 1. Wow. All right. I know. Can you believe it? I, I'm Listen, I'm rooting for you, man. But, you know, you, you, you're you no Jeff Bach of Exhibitor Relations Co. You're so not confident, see. and you shouldn't be. But I want to earn that confidence back. All right. Let's see. Number 10, The French Dispatch, made $2.6 million. It went up 93% because it added 736 theaters. It is now wide-ish in its second weekend, and it is at $4.4 million. Number 9, The Addams Family 2, made $3 million, down only 31%. It lost 150 theaters. In its fifth weekend, it is at $52.6 million. Number eight, Ron's Gone Wrong, $3.7 million, down 49%. It is in its second weekend, and it's standing at $12.5 million. Number seven, we got a newbie. Last Night in Soho, $4.1 million in its first weekend. Beaten out by the number six film, a new film, the horror film Antlers made $4.2 million in its first weekend. And then number five, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, made $5.7 million, down 38%. It lost 235 theaters. In its fifth weekend, it is at $190.4 million. Number four, My Hero Academia, number three. I don't know. It's it has I can't see the whole title, but made six point four million dollars in only fifteen hundred and eighty one theaters, like these films do. But this is its first weekend, and it is number four. Number three, No Time to Die, seven point seven million dollars, down only thirty six percent, dropped about three hundred theaters. It is at one hundred and thirty three point two million dollars in its fourth weekend. Number two, Halloween Kills, $8.7 million, down 39%, dropped 111 theaters. In its third weekend, it is at $85.8 million. And the number one film in the country two weeks in a row, Dune, $15.4 million, down 62%. And it is standing at $69.2 million in its second weekend. That is your top 10. Wow. Great plowing, except, of course, for the one misstep where you couldn't see the full title of My Hero Academia 3, which is My Hero Academia colon World Heroes Mission. So yes. that is that is the t- full title of the number four film this past weekend. But can you really blame me? 
I guess you, know, you can Jeff, blame me. I guess Jeff Bach of Exhibitor Relations Co. He would have had the full title uh, uh, visible to him before he started. But you well, know. compare leads to despair. So I'm not going to do it. No, no you more can do comparing. It. I won't do it. You did a great job. Thank so you. it's an interesting top ten plow. So do we want to build our way? I mean, well, the big news is the new releases, but the big news is not necessarily the movies that finish near the top because the new releases, they did not finish near the top. If we had done a a typical plow through only the top five, we would not have captured the two buzziest, biggest releases of this past weekend. Well, I don't even know if they're buzziest. Like, I, that's the thing. I think what we should talk about real fast is the French okay. Dispatch, yes. it, number 10. This is, it's platforming, which is something that hasn't happened mm-hmm. in the post-pandemic times yet. But Wes Anderson, huge name. I mean, he's mainstream huge, but in art house circles, he is a juggernaut. Yes. And we're seeing that. We're seeing yes. that this opened in 50-some theaters last weekend, made over uh, over a million dollars. Now it's he made $2.6 million with this film that is, I've heard from several people, too much of his bullshit. Yeah, but see, the thing is- That's for, what people want. They want, that's what they people want, want his bullshit. That's what he, that's what people want. I mean, he is the MCU of the art house. Absolutely. And to people who love the MCU, if you were to tell them, "Oh, this is so marvelly. There's so much marvel in this Marvel movie." That may be something that dissuades you as someone who is not into those movies. But for the people who love MCU movies, they're like, great, I can't get enough. Are you telling me there's lots of Iron Man in this? And there's lots of there's a super long fight that takes place in a in a, you know, dark warehousey looking place at the very end of the movie. Great. Is there a lot of a lot of meta jokes throughout? Great. That's what they would say if you said an a Marvel movie is too marvely. So if mm-hmm. you tell these art house fans that this is a very Wes Anderson-y movie, that there's a lot of voiceover, that it looks like it was filmed in a diorama. That's not uh, that's not something that's going to keep them out of the theaters. That's well, a, that's an advertisement. Yeah, a friend of ours who saw it said that you would love it so much because it's got so many dioramas, it would make you sick. Yes. But sick yes. in a good way. Sick that's as in like want. disturbed down with the sickness. Yes. Yeah, drowning pool style sick. Mm-hmm. But which is a positive I, sick. It's a positive sick. I think that the the buzz of this movie, that it is just so twee, so over the top Wes Anderson, that's great marketing because the only reason people are gonna go is because they like Wes Anderson movies. Mm-hmm. And you know, this when you compare it to the other big movie that were, you know, the new release that we're gonna talk about this week. I would say Searchlight is is putting out Fringe Dispatch in the exact right way, which is you got to platform this movie. You got to play to the base first. You got to get those good numbers out there. You know, when you do these platform releases and you open it in just a few home run theaters where you know the movie is going to do well, you get the benefit of those huge per screen averages those great articles written after the first weekends or so where they're saying, look how much French Dispatch is making in three theaters, you know? And those are the types of uh, articles that you want to have written. That's the type of buzz that you need to get then the mainstream audiences to come when you expand it three, four weeks later. Absolutely. This this movie, if this movie did not make over a million in its first weekend... And now it's at 4.4 million. This is going to get people who wouldn't normally go see this film to go see this film. Like you said, platforming in this sense works. The per theater average here is $3,302. So this is how much it's making per theater. And the only two films in the top 10 that did better than that were My Hero Academia at 4,048 and Dune. But Dune barely beat it, 3,737, and that's Dune on IMAX screens. Right. 
Right, right. Yeah, French Dune Dispatch is, is, is not doing uh, IMAX or right. 40X. If it, right. If anything, French Dispatch is probably on the smallest screens in every theater that it's in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, the French Dispatch, I think right now, there's obviously, you know, it's at the beginning stages. It's doing well for where it is right now. I think this is one of those movies that it really is going to be a long tail and we're not going to have a full idea of how it did for probably a month or two. Well, and then award season. And then award, right. This is the type of movie that if it hangs around in theaters long enough, get some Oscar nom nom noms, it'll still be playing in, in January, February, March, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, you know, this is a indie art house hit when the indie art house needed it the most. Yes. Yes. So, so do we want to do we want to go into the movie that came out this weekend that probably should have had a similar release strategy to the French well, Dispatch? Yeah, let's just mention Antlers really quick because I do think that this movie is gonna um plummet after this weekend because it did have that kind of horror uh filmness to it. So any sort of business was probably related to the fact that it was a horror film it beat last night in soho but barely by about a hundred million dollars and it was in less theaters than last night in soho it was what we thought it was i actually Mm -hmm. thought it was going to get lower the fact that it beat soho is surprising so i think i think that there's not really much to say it was a movie that was on the shelf it was by a filmmaker that's not really known for doing horror, known for dark subject matter, but not necessarily horror. Carrie Russell, we love Carrie Russell, not a movie star, not a value add, really. Mm-hmm. Not somebody who can put the butts in the seats. So, you know, 4.2, I'm, I'm assuming this budget wasn't too crazy. This movie's probably going to have a 17-day window, I would think. I mean, I, I think this is going to be on PVOD before we know it. And there's not really much to say about this film. It is what we thought it was. Well, I think that the thing to say is last week we were we were talking about how this movie's been delayed for over a year. And our thought was they should have just put it out in October of 2020 when you were you had movies like Come Play and The Empty Man that all were opening to around three to five million dollars last year and basically antlers did now what it would have done a year ago if antlers had come out in october 2020 it would have made i don't think a dollar less than it made right now after the year-long delay and maybe if it would have been considerably better than those other movies Maybe it would have done better over a year ago where it would have had a lot more breathing room in the theaters than it does now. Well, also the difference is that $4.2 million would have made it a number one movie most likely. Right, right. That's true. Antlers definitely could have come out last year, debuted at number one, and it would have had that you know, credit of saying number one movie in America – it would have been something that you could put on the thumbnail when it inevitably is on PVOD and it is on streaming as opposed to opens up now, comes in number six, going to drop off the face of the earth and it's going to be forgotten. Antlers, I mean, listen, someday people are going to remember Come Play and they're going to remember The Empty Man more than Antlers just because those movies were higher up in the box office when they came out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Antlers, I think it's clear, should have just opened last week. And just want to throw this out. We got a email from a wannabe old boy, wannabe old girl, wannabe old person, person. Reed, who gave us uh, their Antler headline. This is what they predicted the headline would be after this weekend. Bambi won, and that's, that's one W-O-N, Antlers zero. So... Great headline read, Bambi 1, Antler 0. And that is uh, really sums it up. That Bambi, when you're talking about box office success for deer movies, it, Bambi it just just is so far ahead of Antlers, it's not even worth talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but 
you know, antlers better than so-so Soho. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was actually Jeff Bach at Exhibitor Relations Co. I saw one of his headlines about the box office this weekend was last night in so-so. And that was referring to this poor opening weekend of last night in Soho, the Edgar Wright movie from Focus Features, like you said, opened at $4.1 million. I mean, last week, we were predicting, we were high on this movie. I was higher on it than you. I thought it had a chance of 14 or $15 million opening weekend. I think you were closer to around 10. And Did I say fi- seven or eight? I thought, I feel like I said maybe like nine at the highest. Maybe. But we, we were, listen, we were obviously higher than where it came in. I think we were really um, uh, focusing on what Edgar Wright's last movie Baby Driver did a few years ago. It opened in the 20s. We were focusing on Anya Taylor-Joy being minted as a star. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it was on Netflix. It was on streaming. But we thought that would carry over because she got so famous in this past year. And that did not happen. I mean, let's. this movie had a per theater average of $1,300. Wow. I mean, that that is really a full rejection. That is That is not... Uh, to me, a, a a issue with obviously how available this movie was. It has nothing to do with whether people are comfortable seeing movies, obviously, because that that's clearly not the case. This is just people did not want to see Last Night in Soho. Yeah. They fully rejected it. Yeah, it's a movie people did not want. And I think, and, and I think the cryptic trailer... Mm-hmm. I like cryptic trailers. I like trailers that don't give everything away. The general public hates them. Yes. The general public wants to know exactly what to expect and what they're going to get. And that this movie didn't show them that and they mm-hmm. turned away from it. Now, this is a film that should have been platformed. This should have been, I think, Edgar Wright now is straddling this this thing where, like you said, I mean, Baby Driver was a big studio hit, so he's doing big studio hit movies now. But this is definitely an indie type of art house film that should have been platformed because if it does get the hardcores out and makes over a, one million, same thing the Wes Anderson did, then people would go see this movie. But after this take being beaten by Antlers, not even being in the top five, mm-hmm. this film is is DOA. This film was totally DOA. It has a stink on it. I mean, unfortunately, it's going to have a stink on it wherever its next platform is. You know, if that next platform is PVOD, if that next platform is uh, Peacock, because this is Focus Features, it's going to be when that thumbnail pops up, you're going to be like, oh, that's that movie that tanked. That's that movie that had a per screen average of $1,300. You know, that's what people are going to say when they see The Last Night in Soho uh, thumbnail come up on on its next platform, and that's yeah. not the buzz that you want when you when you when you move a movie along. You want to have that buzz of oh, that's that hot movie that did relatively well. I mean, yeah, I think like you said, the the trailer and the marketing for this movie is a disaster because there is no sense of what this movie is about. There's even no sense of exactly what genre this movie was going to be. Yeah. Which may be interesting to a certain number of people who just want to be totally surprised and, and don't care. But the majority of people who go to movies, they want those trailers that tell them every plot point in the movie, including the ending. I I heard it referred to as horror in some corners, and mm-hmm. I did not expect that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, and it it's a trailer and marketing that doesn't really even make use of whatever new star power Anya Taylor Joy has because you don't even know what she's really doing in this movie. Mm-hmm. And she is more famous than she was a year ago. And she's, you know, she's a very famous person now, but you got to let people know what she's going to be doing or else it doesn't matter. You know, you could have Tom Cruise in a trailer, but if we don't know whether Tom Cruise is going to be a hero or whether he's going to be selling hot dogs, 
how much is Tom Cruise going to affect that box office? Yeah. And well, not that a hot dog salesman can't be heroes. I'm just was looking for something that seems very far from being a movie hero. True. Yeah. I mean, that was a little bit offensive, but I was going to let you hang yourself with that. Yeah. So what? So it does seem, though, Focus Feature seems to be happy with this performance, don't they, Pat? I mean, that is what they're saying. But I feel like this has become so much more the norm than ever before, where no matter what a movie does at the box office, the studio either announces a sequel or, or the next day says, oh, this is exactly what we had hoped would happen. So... Look at an article on Deadline today and uh, looking for the quote here. Uh, focus features. OK, so here it is on Deadline today. Focus features distribution chief Lisa Bunnell. This is what she had to say about the opening weekend of last night. Soho, I am just really happy we got this movie into theaters. We achieved what we wanted with the film and for Edgar. So that is... Uh, I would would want to talk to Edgar about that. I can't imagine that that is true, that this is it achieved what we wanted. So they wanted this movie. They wanted last night Soho to come out on over 3000 screens and have a per theater average of thirteen hundred dollars. That's what they wanted. So if that's what they wanted, then the marketing for this movie makes total sense because if you want a movie to average $1,300 per, per theater, then yeah, put out a marketing campaign where people don't know what it's about, have no idea what the star of the movie is doing, don't know what genre it is. Maybe it is what they wanted to happen because that's what they marketed it to happen. God, if I had a company that was satisfied with a number seven mm-hmm. showing... In a pretty open, uh, open weekend because you saw you know, Halloween Kills has done what it's going to do. You do have the oldsters going to No Time to Die. It's got a little bit of legs. But Dune is DOA. I know it's number mm-hmm. one, but $15 million, that's beatable. That's not, a high, that's not a high number for a second weekend blockbuster. Right. So this was a vulnerable weekend. I mean- we won't get into it, but that's why Jackass Forever should have came out this week. And I definitely think it would have beat Dune. Yeah. I mean, that is the eternal what if of this weekend. What would the box office weekend have been like if Jackass Forever, as we have been stumping for, had come out on Friday, October 29th? If I mean, they had, I think had backed that jackass up. Yep. Yep. I think that it's pretty clear Jackass Forever would have been the number one movie in America this past weekend. It would have for sure opened higher than Dune's 15, probably in the 20s. I yeah. mean, I, I think it's it's no doubt Jackass would have been number one movie. But, I mean, we can't talk about what could have been. We have no. to talk about what did happen. And, yeah, I think yeah. Soho is, you know, if I make her right, I'm upset. If I make her I mean, right, I'm disappointed. I feel like this movie... Could have and should have done better. The thing is, this might be the kind of trailer and marketing campaign that as an artist, Edgar Wright wanted, you know, because it's it's especially coming off of Baby Driver. He's he's bigger than he ever was. He makes this movie, which neither of us have seen yet, but seems like it is genre bending and strange and, and not really mainstream focused. And he may have wanted this kind of marketing campaign where you really don't reveal anything about the movie. You don't really show what the actors are doing in the movie. So it's hard to say if he would be upset at how they camp at how they market it, because I think it's probably in line with what he would have wanted is my, Oh guess. yeah. But I mean, upset with the showing. Yes. Upset with the, the number for sure. There's no way. Listen, there is no way anyone would want in their heart of hearts, they were hooked up to a lie detector. There's not one person on this planet who would truthfully say, I want my movie to open at $1,300 per theater. Nobody, 
there's not a person in America who you could put truth serum in and that's what they're going to say or, or, or that's what they're going to truly believe is I want my movie to open at $1,300 per theater. Nobody. If I'm on this marketing team for this film, Mm -hmm. I I say to Edgar, I say, Edgar, listen, we love the trailer, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's obscure. It's, it's, it's obtuse. We, you know, we love it. We love it. It's exactly, it's vague. It's exactly what you want. But here's something that we could do. Maybe have Anya Taylor-Joy just holding a rook, Mm -hmm. holding some sort of a queen, some sort of chess piece. Right. She could be playing with it in a in a curious way, just something that people can think, may oh, ooh, maybe she's playing chess. Maybe this is this is something I like what she does. Maybe I'm gonna go see this movie. Then you don't have to have it in the movie. It can just no. be an image. It's just an right. image because chess is obscure and obtuse. People don't un- really know how chess is actually played. Like there's a very small percentage of the population that A, knows how to play chess or uh, is actually interested in it other than mm-hmm. to make themselves seem smarter than they are. But you put her with that in her hand and you're going to get an extra million dollars at the box office because the people love her for that. Yeah. They love seeing her play chess. I mean, I think, or you just give them, you know, you, you the trailers that they put out, you, you start with those six months ahead of time, but three or four weeks before the movie comes out, you just drop the trailer that beat by beat tells you what happens in this movie and shows you the ending. Just do it. Because that's what people want. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the people who are the, the hardcore... Uh, cinema fans and the hardcore Edgar Wright fans, when the trailer comes on, they could put their their hands over their eyes and their thumbs in their ears and, and just don't watch it because you're going to go anyway. You don't need this trailer. Mm-hmm. You know, trailers should be made not for the hardcore fans. For It's for the people who need it. And I think the mainstream majority of moviegoers, they needed a trailer that told them what happens in this movie. Yes. Um, this is also, I think, a problem of scheduling because they opened an Edgar Wright art house movie wide against the, uh, the platforming second weekend of a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. And I think what we saw here is, you know, baby driver made a lot of money. Baby driver made more money than any Wes Anderson movie has ever made, but Edgar Wright is no Wes Anderson when it comes to the art house box office. Wes Anderson whipped his ass this weekend. And I I know we try not to get crass. You know, we're not shock jocks here, but there's no other other way to put this. Wes Anderson whipped Edgar Wright's ass at the box office this weekend. Yes, yes. Yeah, that ass got beat. And this is a battle that if you're Edgar Wright, you don't ever pick this battle again. No, you make sure to steer clear of Wes Anderson next time you are putting your movie out. Wes Anderson's a steamroller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, it was. It's interesting. You, you rarely get to see two art house heavyweights go at it the way we did this weekend, where both of their movies were basically opening wide the same weekend, and one of them just so clearly bludgeoned the other yeah Wes Anderson Wes Anderson is King Kong and uh and Edgar Wright is Ding Dong Mm mm-hmm yeah 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 and and you know you look at Wes Anderson and he's he's always got his three-piece suit and he looks like he's a skinny meat guy and he's Probably always shining an apple or, 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 you know, he's got very shiny shoes, all that kind of thing. But he delivered a brutal ass whooping this weekend at the box office. And I think Edgar Wright now knows for the rest of his life, do not fuck with Wes Anderson. No, no. Can't fuck with him. He fucked with him this weekend. And he got left laying and he got bloodied. And you you know what? You get up and you learn from it. You run away. 
When someone fucks you up, you run away. And Edgar Wright needs to run away from Wes Anderson going forward. Yeah. But you do learn a lesson. That ego's sore and that ass is sore. Mm-hmm. So let's get into number four. And let's be quick about this because we did, we actually, you know, Austin, uh, wannabe oh boy Austin, Mm-hmm. emailed us again midweek and let us know about My Hero Academia. And we we did, after recording, I did kick myself because we we're trying to keep that recording under an hour, which we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that, I forgot to bring up this film. Mm-hmm. And it did come in number four, and it made $6.4 million in only 1,581 theaters. Which this is not a new phenomenon. We've had mm-hmm. other films do this. The other My Hero Academia films also did really well. We had uh, a film just last December, which surprised us because mm-hmm. that film also opened wide and uh, well opened well in a low theater count. And so these kind of films do over index. They over index. They make. A couple, you know, uh, million dollars they'll make into the teens, maybe the 20s, and then they kind of just disappear. But there is a market for these films. These films are surefire first, second weekend uh, uh, money earners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? All props to Wannabe Old Boy Austin because in his email he said – I think this is going to make the top five and it came in number four. Mm-hmm. So nailed it, nailed it. He, and, and he even mentions that, uh, anime is a blind spot for him, but that is a key to, to talking about box office is you gotta even be aware of your blind spot. So all props to Austin. Great, great pick this week. He covered his blind spot. He went with my hero academia three in the top five and he nailed it. Absolutely. So before we get on to next weekend, because there is a lot to talk about about mm-hmm. next weekend, and we're already we're already at half an hour in, so we don't want to we want to really devote some time to Eternals. Is Dune? Dune big drop, sixty two percent. It is at sixty nine right now. This film, you know, they already said there's going to be a sequel. That's probably going to happen no matter what. For so many reasons that we said last last week, listen to that episode if you really want to dig into Dune. But the thing that was worrisome about this film, especially with this drop, and we didn't mention last weekend, was the demographics on this film, which were heavily skewed male mm-hmm. and heavily skewed Caucasian. And those kind of films, like the, I, I believe that it was the 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 African American was like nine percent or something really low like that. Okay. And same thing with Asian. It's like, uh, and Hispanic was very low too. With a blockbuster, I mean, we are a country of diverse people, mm-hmm. and a blockbuster has to cover a lot of ground. It's got to be popular with pretty much everybody. There's four quadrants. There's also these demos. That, that break down and you need to be strong in more than one demo if you're going to be a blockbuster. Movies mm-hmm. can make a lot of money with one demo, but they're only going to reach a certain level. And I think that's kind of what we see with Dune is that this is a very white masculine film and something like that can do okay, but it's never going to break out in a way that a a, a full quad, a four quadrant diverse skewing film like say a fast and the furious film will be able to do yeah i mean casting wise this movie didn't offer much i guess that would draw on a diverse audience and it does it does feel like it's not a date movie you know it's not a it's not a gal's night out movie for sure you know it's not magic dune is not magic mike you're not getting the group of six gal pals who are all buying tickets ahead of time because they want to see that sandworm move, Mm -hmm. you know, and there maybe was a marketing angle where you could have got that, where you could have leaned on the look of the sandworm to get the gal pals together for a big sexy night out, but they didn't do it. And I think that ship has sailed. The Dune is not that movie. And then it's not, I think, especially a movie where, 
you get your date out. It does. It's starting to feel like this is the movie that just guys and I guess specifically white guys are going to either in small groups or by themselves, which there's enough of that that quadrant to to make a decent amount of money, but not enough of that quadrant where that's going to become an all out blockbuster if that's yeah. really just your audience. And then we also had this movie, again, the HBO Max factor. People right. are realizing, hey, I can watch this at home. I heard good things about it, but do I want to really go out? Especially Halloween weekend. And then also you have the Pirates. Of course, this was, I think, number one on the torrent sites this past right. weekend. So a lot of people saw it in an illegal way. Now, so, I mean, the, the 62% drop, it's high, but it's not... It's not absurd for what we've been seeing for blockbuster movies opening one and then what they drop in their second weekend. You know, like just looking Venom, uh, Let There Be Carnage had a similar 60% drop from its first to its second weekend. Obviously, it opened way higher than Dune did. Mm-hmm. So that drop still gave it a much bigger second weekend. But the drop, you know, it's not 70%. You know, it's not Halloween Kills level where that dropped like 70% from the first to the second weekend. So it's not a killer. I mean, I think the other thing with Dune is going to be, you know, it's far off. For, this is a movie that people think is going to get Oscar nom nom noms, but that's so far away. But in technical, it, it's going to be technical mostly. Yeah, well, I mean, Dude is definitely a movie that could get a Best Picture, nom, 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 and a Best Director, nom, nom, nom. It's not going to get acting, probably, but it definitely is a Best Picture contender. Well, because so they are doing 10, right? Isn't it now that it's a firm 10 It's a firm films? 10. So I think, I think Dune, you know, is not a lock, but I think it's a pretty heavy favorite to get in that 10 Best Picture, nom, nom, noms. But that's so far off. You know, I, I'm just wondering if, the positive critical response and the award season could keep this making a lot of money months from now, or if it'll just be on HBO max only by the time the award season happens. I mean, I think Eternal's going to blow in and take over all those big screens. And I think this movie was making big money on big screens Mm-hmm. That's what kept this drop low. I think mm-hmm. is those IMAXs and those and those expensive big screens. That mm-hmm. really was the one thing keeping this uh, mm-hmm. afloat and not falling way farther. Yeah, I mean, I think the magic number for this is that sixty nine million dollars total after two weeks. Is this movie going to hit a hundred million domestic? It's it's not a sure thing to do that. It needs thirty one million to go i think it's definitely possible especially if it hangs on long enough and and is on a lot of like you know end of year best movie the year type lists but i don't think it's a guarantee this movie hits 100 million domestic i think if you're the warner bros you pull a godzilla versus kong and you keep it in theaters until it crawls across that finish line yeah this film has to do 100 domestic for it to get to when we look back historically and say, okay, this, I see why this got a sequel. If it, if it stalls it at 96, you, it's going to feel different than if it goes over a hundred. I think they keep it in theaters. I think they do whatever they can. They buy tickets. They do whatever they can to get this over a hundred. They've sunk so much money into this movie. You know, them buying a, a crap load of tickets in December is not uh, something that I wouldn't be surprised happens, you know. Especially Listen. if especially if the sequel is definitely happening and it's such a huge priority, it might behoove them to buy that last three or four million dollars worth of tickets so it gets over a hundred. And you give them away in radio contests or, you know, podcast contests or, you know, uh, pop-up ad contest, whatever, whatever the hot way of, of having contests is right now, you give away those tickets and you build fans for when the sequel comes out. 
because you'll have gotten more people to have seen it, seen the first one in the theater, even though you're buying them their tickets. And then they'll be more excited to see it, to see the sequel in the theater in a couple of years. Oh, and so I also I, think I also think they're going to pad these these numbers later on when it gets re-released right before the sequel comes out. Right. But you got to hit that 100 million domestic in this before. Run. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it'll be so obvious what they're trying to do. So I, I do think they've got Warner Brothers has to pull out all the stops, get this movie over the 100 million dollar domestic. And then when the sequel comes out, people won't feel like it's a, a, a farce because you don't want that with a sequel. You don't want the audience to feel like the sequel is a farce. Well, speaking of possible farces, let's look till to next weekend. Mm-hmm. This coming weekend, Eternals finally. I, you know, Pat, I'm gonna be so relieved when this movie comes and goes. More so than Shang Chi, which we thought was going to be maybe the first Marvel bomb, and it turned out not mm-hmm. to be. It turned out to be. Mm-hmm. It turned out to be a w- very well liked film. That yeah. did very well domestically, which was great. Mm-hmm. And I heard it was very fun and a really good movie. So that's great. I mean, we these are all things that we love. Mm-hmm. This movie seems like, and I know everybody in the media is saying this, not the media, but but people online are saying this feels like medicine. Like, mm-hmm. let's take our medicine, get over it. Let's just say we liked it okay, smile and nod politely, watch those two end credit things, get hyped for actual Marvel movies with actual characters we care about, mm-hmm. and then, you know, move on with our lives. Mm-hmm. Because this film is not doing well critically. It's going to be the lowest, I think, in a long time, the lowest rated uh, Rotten Tomatoes film that Marvel has released. Mm-hmm. And also, the tracking is going down. This is down 12% from last week, the tracking for the opening for this film. Um, it's now at 67 to 92. So that's your box office pro, obviously, giving their huge ranges. They don't really make predictions anymore. Yeah, it's like so- it could either be a, a huge disappointment or a... Almost $100 million film, which would be massive. Right. But that is a range that has gone down from where they had it before. And this film has no chance of making $100 million in people's eyes where it did before. I mean, here's the thing with Eternals is it's a Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. And can't count out Marvel. uh, and you can't count out Marvel. And I've seen Jeff Bach at Exhibit Relations Co. has said this a lot leading into Eternals is until it happens, until a Marvel movie outright bombs, you're always going to look foolish if you predict a Marvel movie to bomb because Don't, it just yep. hasn't happened yet. True. And a lot of people were thinking Shang-Chi could have been the one, and not to bomb, but to underperform. And that one definitely overperformed. But I think in retrospect, when you look at Shang-Chi compared to Eternals, there's a huge difference in that Shang-Chi always looked fun and very specifically was advertising a character. You know, there was the name of a character in the movie, which has been the key to success for... Pretty much all of these movies, except Guardians of the Galaxy, which similar to Eternals, introduced a whole group. But Guardians of the Galaxy also was obviously going to be really fun from all of its advertisements ahead of time. And with Eternals, unlike any of these other Marvel movies, there's no character whose name anyone either knows beforehand or is being pushed heavily you know, like Doctor Strange. When that comes out, that's a minor comic book character, but they do a great job of getting mainstream audiences to know that name before the movie came out. And with Eternals, I, I don't know what it is they're selling. They didn't do a good job of getting any of these characters to be to have any name value. And, 
you know, like you're seeing in a lot of these reviews, the movie just looks really dour, mm-hmm. which is a big change from the Marvel movie. So I know we're not supposed to bet against Marvel, but this feels like the most unMarvel Marvel movie that they have put out yet. Yeah. 59% on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. And I think a lot of that has to do with when some negative reviews started coming in, I think critics felt like, oh, this is safe now. I can now mm-hmm. shit on this film. Because a lot of times when, when these films, you know, they open it up to critics who would be more, you know— um, a, a, you know, they, they'd be more likely to say nice things at first. Mm-hmm. So then you get this high tomato meter. A lot of people don't want to be taking it down. But this right. film, 59, it seems like this is pile on time. Mm-hmm. I still, obviously, Marvel is pretty critic proof. But I do think that this is going to ding those people who might not be huge Marvel MCU people, keeping them away from it. Where something like Shang-Chi had good reviews. People said they liked it. It seemed fun. So you got that second weekend uh, a group of people going out to see it because of buzz. This definitely will open big. And then I do think this movie falls very hard the next weekend. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's less the reviews, you know, the specific reviews or the tomato meter or any of that. And it's just more that the reviews and the advanced word seems to be saying the same thing, which is this movie is pretty dour, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think a movie that was 90% was an Eternals movie that had a higher critic score, but also just had the same outlook, you know, the same, like, it's not fun. There's no jokes, you know, all the superheroes are sad. I don't think that movie would have done that well. So it's not even so much whether the critics like it or not. I think it's just that the the consensus seems to be this is not a fun poppy Marvel movie. Yeah, it does it does yeah, it does not seem fun. Um so opening big I mean, do we think there's any chance this movie opens lower than the low end of what Box Office Pro says? Is there any chance Eternals opens lower than $67 million? No way. No way because it's a Marvel movie. People are psyched to go to the theaters again. They mm-hmm. are want to see these stingers, uh, these, these end credit things in the theater and be like the first to see them. I do think that they really are excited to see those. And I think that's going to drive people to this. So I don't think it goes under 67. Definitely not. That's so, that's such a good point that you're going to have such a huge dollar amount for this movie be about people wanting to see the stingers for the movies they really want to see. And I wonder if in these last few days you start to get some kind of a marketing and maybe this is a second or third weekend marketing change where they're basically uh, uh, leading with, Hey guys, there's going to be a stinger for uh, uh, the next Thor movie. Yeah, they've, well, I mean, they're uh, supposedly they're introducing new characters at the end of this film. Okay. And new characters that are going to play into the MCU at large, the larger narrative, where the Eternals, it is TBD how they're going to fit into the future of Marvel. Especially after this film, I do think you're not going to see a lot of these characters ever again. Well, that's, I mean, that's going to be interesting. And obviously we're way too ahead of ourselves to say that because we the movie hasn't opened yet. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens if a Marvel movie comes out and doesn't do that well and whether that means they basically phase out the characters in future movies, which, again, we're way ahead of ourselves. But that that is something we haven't seen yet because all their movies do well. So they never have to think about, oh, people don't want Ant-Man because they want an Ant-Man. So they just put Ant-Man in more movies. Well, they did a TV series, remember? And I, I can't even think of the name of, of the series, but they did a series 
Marvel, a, I think it was a TV series that really tanked. And it okay. wasn't The Defenders on Netflix. It was on a different channel. I believe it was on ABC, and I can't think of it. Um, but it did so bad, and you never hear about it anymore. Oh, huh. it, it was Inhumans. Inhumans was this huge right. failure for Marvel, and they buried it. Right. They've completely right. buried it. Nobody talks about uh, Inhumans anymore. Uh, and I think that's what could happen. They just bury right. their failures because they have so many successes. If you have as many successes as Marvel does, it's easy to bury your failures. Just right. bury them with su- successes. Right. So, I mean, we'll see. Eternals obviously hasn't opened yet, and it, we don't know its final domestic number. So we're we're thinking in terms of what if Eternals ends up as one of those failures. I mean, it's it's the most possible a scenario of that happening for Marvel of I think any movie we've seen from them in years, mm-hmm. but we'll see. I mean, I guess, I guess you're right where this is going to inevitably open in the high sixties or, or low seventies. But I mean, I can't see this movie at this point opening much higher than that. I mean, and also black widow opened at 70, right? Um, yes, yes, no, uh, 80. At 80, right, because F9 opened at 70, Black Widow opened at 80. And then Shang-Chi so no- was 75. I mean... I think this movie... I mean, I could see this movie it's opening It's not going to open a- higher than Shang-Chi. It's not going to open that high. Um, You know, there's more people... I feel like there's more people going to the theaters, though. Yeah. I, I could see this hitting 80. I could see this going at Black Widow level. All right, so and, I guess and, then and, I'm going to go. And also remember with Black Widow, I mean, Shang-Chi obviously was only in theaters. This is only in theaters as well. So right. So I could see this hit 80 possibly. All right, I'm going to go then low between us and say 71. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to go high on a Marvel movie, which I don't normally do. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because Shang-Chi opening at 75 and – in the days leading into Shang-Chi, that felt so much more positive than Eternals does now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it is a situation where we you, you shouldn't fully bet against them until it happens. But yeah, man, if it was ever going to happen, this is the one. No star power at all. Bad buzz. Angelina Jolie. But she, they have done such a bad job trying to use her as a star in this. She feels like the biggest background player. I mean, she, her outfit looks ridiculous to the point where I've seen this trailer a bunch of times and it gets laughter when you see her. Uh, uh, well, actually, no, not her. The Salma Hayek's uh, costume looks ridiculous. And she looks like she wants no part of being in there. She gets laughs in the theater and I'll tell you what doesn't get laughs in this Eternals trailer is the uh, the IKEA joke that they make at the end of uh, of the trailer. Yeah, I have just witnessed stone silence to that joke every single time. Yeah, it's so hard. Like you said, it's like so. You think it's gonna do seventy five? You said I seventy one. I'll go with I. I yeah, I you know that I feels... can't see it opening higher than Shang Chi because. They opening in similar climates. You're probably right that there's more people now than in uh, early September that would go see a movie. But that movie just had so much more of a positive feeling towards it than this does. Yeah. Yeah, I think I might be going too high with 80. I don't know. It's hard. I, I like I, like well, you said, I... I it's just the to go seventy one is just a tick above that that low end, and I just feel I'm going to go eighty. I'm just going to stay with it. So here's something though that could throw a wrench into all of this, or not a wrench really, but is is such an X factor this weekend is there's another movie that is opening wide this weekend, sort of. Do you know what this is, Clayton? Because if we don't, if we don't mention Spencer, no, not well, not Spencer. Another movie that's actually has three huge stars in it. 
No. What film? Red Notice, the Netflix film starring Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot, and The Rock. So this is going to open in theaters the way that what Army of the Dead did? So it's unclear because I'm looking at some sites that say this is, you know, the numbers has this as a wide release, which they don't exactly say what that means. Um, And then let's see the release date. This is why this Netflix shit is so stupid. Like to tell us where it's going to be and how many theaters. Right. Because right. how am I going to know where to find this film to see it, let alone, let alone uh, uh, a, a forecast for it? Yeah, yeah. But they're so probably it's... they're probably not going to say numbers for the theaters anyway, so it's not going to make the top ten. It's only going to be estimates that people make, that we have to make, and people in the industry have to make. Because remember, Army of the Army of the Dead did not report. Like Netflix did not report those BO numbers. Those were all mm-hmm. estimated from people doing research mm-hmm. as like what it could have made. So Red Notice, we shouldn't even the, – the thing with Red Notice is it's not dropping on Netflix until later in this month, right? Right. So this weekend it comes out just in theaters. It's not going to be on Netflix. So, yes. So it's not going to drive I, people – it's not going to make people stay home to watch it instead. Right. But you're right. saying does it take does it take people that would maybe go see the Eternals and instead they see this film Red Notice that then is like a black hole that the BO drops into so right. that Eternals underperforms but it's like well then what other movie did it they see? Well they saw Red Notice. Right. I mean it's possible because those are three huge stars. I mean the thing is this movie has completely no marketing around it there are no commercials or trailers that i I think i've seen it during football you have seen it okay so no they're definitely promoting this film so then there is a chance that red notice depend i mean the whole thing that it all depends on the screen count because if this movie opens in you know 200 screens then it's going to be negligible what it could do. But if they throw this movie out into two or 3,000 screens this weekend, or even one or 2,000 screens, it could poach. Red Notice could definitely make $10 million. And you figure no. any money that, well, whatever Red Notice makes this weekend, that's money that very much could have been Eternals money because I think a lot of Red Notice money is just going to be people passing by a theater or going to a theater to see something and they would have seen Eternals because that's the big new movie, but then they see that there's this new movie star on The Rock and Ryan Reynolds and they just walk into that instead. I mean, it's definitely possible. I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, it could poach. We, I mean, we'll have to see. We'll have to see where Eternals comes in. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a good that's a good catch. I thought you meant yeah. that. I thought you thought that a lot of people were going to go see the new Princess Diana biopic by the no. guy who did Jackie. Starring. Although that is, it's a counter programmer. I mean, it's got a lot of buzz. Kristen Stewart is is the odds-on favorite to win Best Actress Oscar. Hmm. And the numbers has that at a wide release. Again, we don't know what that really means. Um, I think we're talking a couple thousand. I mean, not a couple thousand. I think we're talking a thousand some. Yeah. And that that movie isn't going to affect Eternals at all. But yeah, Red Notice. I'm so curious to see what kind of numbers we get on it. How many theaters it ends up in. And if it's in enough theaters, I do think that's going to be shaving some money off the top for Eternals, especially as weak as Eternals feels right now. Yes. It, 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 yeah, it, it, it is definitely vulnerable. Yeah. Um, the Red Notice thing is so interesting because this is the first streaming movie that Dwayne The Rock Johnson has starred in. 
you know, he's done hosting TV shows and, and all his other media. But when it comes to movies, he has been a big screen movie guy. Mm-hmm. And box office success has been such a huge part of his brand. Just opening number one, $100 million. Open number one, $100 million. And Red Notice is obviously not going to open number one. It's obviously, because it's on Netflix, it's not going to make $100 million domestic. So you also wonder how they're going to play guarding those numbers. Well, you know, because you've got you got to make it clear to people if Red Notice opens up and then it makes three million dollars domestic, you got to make it clear this is not a a, a blemish on his box office record. They're just not going to report it. They just don't. They don't report. Uh, you right. know, it's all going to be hearsay. It's all going to be what people can figure out. It's not. There's. They're not going to. Netflix will never give a concrete amount unless, like you said, unless it's like. 10 million if it's 10 million then they tout it but they're not going to right 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 that's it's very interesting i mean they're they're putting this they're putting red notice in theaters for a reason you know and there probably is something to the rock and ryan reynolds but probably more so the rock wants people to know that he opens his movies on the big screen first you know, I would bet he in some way forced their hand a little bit to give this some kind of theatrical release. So if that's the case, they're going to want to have some kind of opening weekend number that whether they put it out there themselves or they let uh, uh, sneak out there, they're going to want to have something they could tout in a positive way. Yeah, I mean, Netflix, they do their thing. If it's if yeah. it's big, they say something. If it's not, they don't talk about it. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I think we're going to be covering that next week. And I think those numbers are going to get out. I think there'll be something leaked out. And I think we'll have some kind of word on what Red Notice did next next week. I think it'll get out there. All right. So do we want to just do our top fives real fast? Sure. You you could go for it first. I mean, Slam Doink Eternals. Yeah. Slam Doink number one, Eternals, got to be. So... That's that. And then I do think that, let me see. I got to go back to the numbers real fast. Um, Dune, you know, it's just, it just feels like it's going to be Eternals, Dune. No, I'm going to say no time mm-hmm. beats out Halloween. Mm-hmm. I think Halloween drops under. Okay, I'm going to do this. Eternals number one, Dune number mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to say No Time to Die. Okay. Then I'm going to say My Hero. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to say Venom. Okay. Because I think Halloween just plummets. Mm-hmm. That's my call. All right. So... I am with you that, um, and hold on one second. I'm just looking up if there are any numbers on Army of the Dead. I'm so curious. There's, it, I looked it up. Zero. I, glean I mean, on, I, on the numbers, there was zero. It has yeah. no box office. Okay. So then I'm going to go with, uh, I agree, Eternals number one, do number two. Those are slam doings. I also agree, No Time to Die number three. I think Venom moves up to four. Okay. I think it, it gets ahead of My Hero Academia. And then number five, I guess, has to be My Hero Academia. I think Halloween Kills are going to fall off a cliff this weekend. Yeah. So I think five is My Hero Academia with the caveat that maybe it's Red Notice. You know, well, maybe it, Red Notice but is here's the thing, out Pat. In, in a thousand it will, theaters. Who knows? But it will not. It, they're not. It's it's it. They're they're not going to put it in there. Like Netflix will not give that number out, so it will not qualify for the top, the top five or the top ten. I could have swore, 
when Army of the Dead came out that we had numbers for it. We had estimated numbers, but but, but I, I don't think not. it was in the charts. When you Google box office for Army of the Dead, you get $1 million. Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing that too. We have the same Google. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought there had been numbers for it, but I, I, I guess I'm wrong. But that's my caveat is who knows if, if Red Notice makes enough money that that then Netflix does report it because it made, you know, six million dollars opening weekend. Then that but it all depends on screen count. It all depends on how they're actually releasing this movie. The numbers are saying it's a wide release, but God knows what that means. Yeah, that could be a thousand theaters. Right, right. So we'll see. But yeah, next weekend's going to be huge because this Eternals opening weekend is going to uh, teach us a lot about where Marvel's, you know, floor is. Mm Because this is definitely the least anticipated, sort of least buzzy movie I think they have put out since the original uh, Hulk movie. Yeah. So if this movie still makes 80 or $90 million, then we know Marvel's floor is uh, uh, even higher than we thought. Absolutely. All right, Pat. Well, let's let's uh, wrap it up. Where can they find us? Email us at theboboyspodcast at gmail.com. As you've seen today, if you write us a great email with, you know, a, a, a cool proposed headline like Bambi 1, Antler 0, we're going to talk about it. If you email us, letting us know something that we may have missed in this episode, because of course, you know, this is not a three hour episode every day. That's how much time we would need to fully cover the box office. But if mm-hmm. we miss something, email us, the BO Boys Podcast at gmail.com, and we will give you props on the air like we did for Reed, like we did for Austin, and like we will do for you. If your email is props worthy. Yeah. Like if you had a headline for Eternals, not if it doesn't do well, it's Eternals. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a good one. If you have something like that, definitely email us. Right. Right. You know, if it bombs and 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 we call it Eternards, you know, like I kicked in the Nards, then, yeah. then that's the type of headline that we would call out on air. Yeah, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So otherwise, check out our Substack and go on Clubhouse and, uh, you know, talk to our boy, Brandon Gray, uh, the creator of Box Office Mojo. He's got the Box Office Revival group going. It's huge. It's taking yep. over. It's taking over Clubhouse. So definitely be part of that. Yep. Yep. And, you know, follow Jeff Bach at Exhibitor relations co on twitter and of course our boy scott mendelson legacy box office writer for forbes he's a legend so read his stuff i know austin in his email asked us if we're going to get scott mendelson back on the show and i think the answer is definitely it'll happen oh i'm thinking he'll be back nice all right so i think we covered it all there clayton We definitely did, so there's nothing left to say except until next time. We'll We'll smell you at the bar.